You're listening to ReachMD, and this episode of Heart Matters is sponsored by Novo Nordisk. Here's your host, Dr. Alan Brown. Welcome to Heart Matters on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and joining me today to talk about the latest recommendations for reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease in patients with type 2 diabetes is Dr. Aaron Mikos. Aaron is an associate professor of medicine and director of the Women's Cardiovascular Health Center, as well as an associate director of preventative cardiology at Johns Hopkins Medicine. Dr. Mikos, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on your program. So Dr. Mikos, having had a chance to talk with you briefly before today's interview, I can tell that you've got a strong passion for patients with diabetes and the link between diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Could you give our audience a little bit of insight into the risk of cardiovascular disease in diabetic patients? Right. So as you know, this is a real problem. We have epidemic of cardiometabolic diseases. There's currently over 30 million Americans living with diabetes, and it's estimated by the year 2030, it's going to be about 55 million. So we know that adults with diabetes are a two to fourfold times higher rate of having heart disease compared to their non-diabetic counterparts. And men and women over the age of 50 who have diabetes are estimated to have a eight-year shorter survival compared to individuals without diabetes, with the leading cause of death among patients with diabetes being heart disease. So we really need a multifaceted, multi-pronged approach to reduce this residual risk. So caring for patients with diabetes, we need to focus on traditional cardiovascular risk factors, controlling lipids with statin therapy, controlling blood pressure, smoking cessation, diet, and lifestyle. And now I'm very excited to talk to you today about new options that we have, these new medications, these diabetes medications, SGL2 inhibitors and GLP-1 receptor agonists that actually have meaningful cardiovascular outcome reduction. So let me tweak you a little bit before we get into the newer antihyperglycemic therapies. Do you think the epidemic of diabetes is tied to the obesity epidemic or are there some other factors that are increasing the prevalence of diabetes in the population? Certainly, I think that obesity is a large driver where as a population, we're just becoming much more heavier and more sedentary. And so also the quality of food, there's high intake of highly processed food combined with less physical activity. And it's really just setting the stage for this insulin resistance and cardiometabolic diseases. So we're going to have some sort of population health strategy as well as the best we can do with medicines, correct? I mean, some people have predicted that our children's generation will be the first generation in history to have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. So have you thought about, in addition to medications that we're going to talk about, what we might have to consider for population health strategy and how we're going to look at this huge bubble of folks with diabetes and try and reduce their risk for cardiovascular disease? Yes, absolutely. We really need a focus on primordial prevention. We know that cardiovascular health in mothers is associated with cardiovascular health of their offspring, cardiovascular health in youth, adolescence, and young adulthood tracks into middle and older ages. And so how we spend, you know, the first half of our life really impacts our freedom from morbidity and mortality in the second half of our lives. So we really need to shift the whole population health, you know, at younger stages. And really this is beyond the individual. I think we put a lot of fault on the individual, but there's a lot of barriers stacked against individuals. And so we really need to restructure everything in our society, you know, how we commute to work, the availability of healthy foods and produce, having safe places to exercise. It's really, needs a populational-wide societal and policies rather than just putting on all the fault on the individual for eating too much and not exercising. 
Yes, that was very well said. It's a big challenge for us in the next several decades. Obviously, prevention is a critical component of this discussion, and our population health strategies are going to take years to implement, though I certainly hope we're going to focus on them because of the increasing amount of diabetes in the population. Let's talk a little bit about the therapies that are uh, being laid out in 2020 ACC Expert Consensus Decision Pathway. And can you tell us a little bit about what's recommended for cardiovascular risk reduction in the diabetic patients? Yeah, so I'm so excited now because we have two classes of medications, the SGL2 inhibitors and the GLP-1 receptor agonists that were initially developed for treatment of diabetes, but subsequently shown in a number of large outcome trials to have meaningful reductions in major adverse cardiovascular events, heart failure hospitalizations, particularly with the SGL2 inhibitors, and reduction in progression of diabetic kidney disease. I think it's important to note that SGL2 inhibitors have been shown to reduce heart failure events in patients with HEFREF with and without diabetes. And actually, SGL2 inhibitors offer both kidney uh, and cardiovascular protection in both patients with diabetic and non-diabetic chronic kidney disease. And GLP-1 receptor agonists, not only can they reduce ASCBD, but they can reduce macroalbuminuria and they're being studied for their kidney protection as well. So I think we need to move beyond thinking of these as diabetes drugs. It's really clear that the benefit of these medications go well beyond their A1C lowering and that we really should think of these as organ protection drugs, cardiovascular prevention drugs. And this is why I've been urging cardiologists like myself and like you, we're part of the choir, but trying to get our colleagues in cardiology on board and comfortable with the prescribing these medications, because this is our wheelhouse. This is cardiovascular prevention drugs. And I think cardiologists are very comfortable when you have a cardiovascular outcome trial data. You know, we like our, our trials. And so I think that we can, you know, get cardiologists on board. So looking at the algorithm for treatment using SGLT2 inhibitors or GLP-1 agonists, I noticed that there's sort of a bias towards if you have a patient with heart failure, you would choose an SGLT2 Whereas if you had a patient without heart failure where you needed some weight loss, for example, you might choose a GLP-1. Can you tell us a little bit about these options and whether that makes sense? And uh, when you're thinking about risk reduction, how might you choose one potential therapy over another? Right. I think certain patients may be more suited for one or the other. As you mentioned, you know, patients with heart failure at high risk for heart failure and patients who also have chronic kidney disease may benefit from SGL2 inhibitors. The GLP-1 receptor agonists reduce ASCVD, so they're really good for patients who have a history of ASCVD or at high risk for ASCVD. And the weight loss, although seen with both classes of medications, weight loss seems to be greater with the GLP-1 receptor agonists. In fact, I've had a lot of my patients, you know, have atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and are interested in losing weight. And I've seen meaningful weight loss reduction with GLP-1 receptor agonists. So that might be particularly at use for those patients. You know, and there might be some individual preferences related to whether an oral medication versus injectable. There may be also, as we'll talk about some of the side effect profiles that we're not using SGL2 inhibitors for GFRs, you know, less than 25, where you could use GLP-1 receptor agonists, some of them down to an eGFR as low as 15. And so there may be patient-specific factors that you would pick one class over the other. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Aaron Mikos about recommendations from the 2020 ACC Expert Consensus Decision Pathway on reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease among patients with type 2 diabetes. So Dr. Mikos, 
We've obviously discussed these therapies for cardiovascular risk reduction, as well as reducing some of the side effects for those having diabetes alone. We talked a little bit about the role of cardiologists. Can we spend just a few seconds discussing actually the recommendations and the pathway and how you would approach these patients and appropriate choices of therapies? Yeah, so I think it comes up a lot about whether patients need to be on metformin or not and when you kind of start them. So again, I think of these drugs as organ protection drugs and not really for their glucose lowering. So although the pivotal trials generally the majority of patients were taking metformin, you know, data suggests that, you know, they benefit even if they're not on metformin, there's no reason to think that these drugs preferentially work or don't work based on baseline other medications used. So a lot of the guidelines now, including the European guidelines and the recent Ketogo guidelines have really suggested using these medications first line. You can use metformin for glucose control, but really SGL2 inhibitors and GLP-1 receptor agonists for organ protection. And then we alluded to before about choosing which one or the other really sort of depends on their comorbidities, whether they have heart failure, ASCVD, kidney disease, and whether they're at risk, particular risk for one of the side effects. I obviously share your passion for engaging cardiologists in this process of choosing appropriate treatment for our diabetic patients with atherosclerosis. I'm going to ask you to give us some final thoughts on what we can do as a specialty and what you think our role might be in managing patients with diabetes and atherosclerosis. Yes, so as I mentioned at the beginning, and as you know, it really takes a multi-pronged approach. So we need all hands on deck. So certainly as cardiologists, we need to collaborate with our team members in endocrinology and primary care with nutrition, our exercise physiologists, our pharmacists are really very helpful here. Also individuals who have expertise in pre-OS and helping us with some of the, the paperwork related to that. You know, we need all hands on, on deck on board. And so we're moving, a lot of specialties are moving to having a dedicated cardiometabolic clinic where you can really integrate all of this in one place where patients can get the counseling on the diet and the lifestyle that need. They can be taught how to use these, give themselves these injections, as well as not only getting them on these important diabetes medications, but also managing their comprehensive cardiovascular risk. So as you know, patients with diabetes should be at least on a modern intensity statin, and those who are, have high risk or ASCVD or secondary prevention should be on a, a high intensity statin to lower LDL by 50% or more. They should have their blood pressures controlled less than 130 over 80. If they have any microalbuminuria, they should be on an ACE or an ARB. And of course, lifestyle, smoking cessation, as well as the diet and exercise. So it really needs a multi-pronged approach. These are high-risk patients and we need to reduce the risk through all these different approaches. Well, considering the high risk of cardiovascular disease among our patients with type 2 diabetes, I want to really thank Dr. Aaron Mikos for sharing new insights on managing that risk and providing valuable information for cardiologists everywhere. It was great speaking with you today, Dr. Mikos. Thank you, and I enjoyed talking with you today. This episode of Heart Matters was sponsored by Novo Nordisk. To revisit any part of this discussion and to access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash HeartMatters, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.